0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Who Would Have Thoughts, the podcast. For those of you who are new around here, this is a podcast where I like to chat with fascinating innovators and creators and have casual conversations that either spark inspiration or serve as motivation for those of us who just need it at the time. My guest for this episode is MTV News' Gabby Wilson, and she's someone who I think will ignite both of those feelings for a lot of you. Gabby has worked at MTV for the past seven years, working her way up from an editorial assistant to the person you see hosting red carpet coverage at the VMAs or chopping it up with some of music's biggest names like Kendrick Lamar, Cardi B, and Ariana Grande. Gabby also has a way of really making her audience feel at ease during her interviews. And she's used that skill to highlight even more serious issues in our current climate, including coverage from the most recent March For Our Lives rally, As a correspondent, Gabby has hosted special presidential election coverage for MTV News, as well as moderating a town hall discussion surrounding climate change featuring former VP Al Gore. In the past, MTV News correspondents and VJs have become pretty big names. I mean, who can forget people like Kurt Loder or Suchin Pak? Well, Gabby has only cemented herself as part of that MTV legacy. Gabby likes to call herself a self-described music nerd, and her fans will have a chance to catch her in an even more exciting opportunity in the upcoming future. So it was a pleasure to catch her for a quick chat. So without further ado, here's Gabby Wilson. For people that don't know, if you wanna say a little bit about what you do at MTV, um, your title, and just a little bit about your job.
1: So currently, I am an on-air correspondent for MTV News. I do, like, on-camera interviews with musicians, mostly, some um, actors, actresses, when the time um, comes, and also, like, politicians. Like, I interviewed um, Chelsea Clinton about the No Ceilings Project, and I did a town hall with former Vice President Al Gore um, about climate change, and I talked to Senator Tim Kaine, a couple months ago, earlier this year. But yeah, just kind of doing interviews and producing and writing video packages for the youth audience for MTV News. There is isn't like a, a typical day-to-day, I would say. Um, a lot of it is reading the news and pitching stories and looking ahead at the calendar and saying kind of like, What's coming up? Who's got an album coming up? Who's been working on stuff that you've seen on, like, Twitter and Instagram? Who haven't you heard from in a while? And that seems suspicious. They're probably working on music. Um, And then, or or even, like, who's new and who's on the come up and who are you really excited about and interested in um, that you might want to put the audience onto? Um, And then, like, thinking about what is an interesting way to tell that story for the audience? So sometimes it's as straightforward as, like, oh, Haim is working on this new album and they're so dope musically. They're just like really musically sound and kind of savants. Um, let's get them in and have like a really nerdy music theory conversation with them about the album. Or, let's see who will. I mean somebody as big as Cardi B it's like you you can't not talk to her like mm-hmm. obviously
0: you want to talk to her <laughs> and you just talked to her recently too I mean when you get these big interviews with people like Cardi B and even like Kendrick Lamars and, and things like that what's the preparation that goes into it for you I mean you said you could be speaking music theory I mean uh, how do you even prepare for some of these bigger interviews you've done in the past
1: um, well, I think it's easier to talk about, like, specific ones. So for the Cardi B one, I am a big fan of hers already. i had been listening to, like, her mixtapes before, but I Yellow really popped off, and it's funny, I was on, I was covering this, um, event called anti that this collective of, um, feminist, like, skaters... Put together annually um, to create like a safe space for the LGBTQ community in New York to kind of have the prom that they were never really able to have um, in high school because a lot of that prom tradition is so steeped in like heteronormative, like gender binary tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cardi B was a performer at it and just happened to be dropping bodak yellow that night (laughs) um so we talked to her about anti-prom we also talked to her about bodak yellow like right before it blew up so that was really crazy but for the interview with her about invasion of privacy i mean i listened to the album like front to back over and over and over and kind of noted it out so i'll do like a close reading of lyrics i went to university of virginia Mm -hmm. um in charlottesville virginia and studied english language and literature with like a unofficial concentration in poetry so rap is really interesting to me from just like a sheer study of poetry perspective. So I will often like really get super nerdy about lyrics, um, and ask like, why you chose to phrase this this way? Or like, what does it mean? Or, um, I get really hung up on that stuff, but I also, I mean, I'll go through and try and figure out samples or, um, if I'm listening to something and it reminds me of something else, I'll try and look into the liner notes of whatever the song is that reminded me of it and see if there are any similarities. It's a lot of like weird. It's almost like I'm uh, Matthew McConaughey in the first <laughs> season of True Detective, like, trying to piece together all the, the pieces that go into this album and figure out as much as I can or like a hypothesis for what I think happened before I get into the room with them and then see, see if it checks out. Um, But yeah, I am very, I don't know if most people are like this. I have no idea really how other people (laughs) prepare for interviews, but I get really obsessive and I'll obsess over the work, but I'll also kind of go as far back as, the, like depending on if I only have an hour to prepare for something or if I have days to prepare for something, will determine how far back I go into somebody's like recent history. Mm-hmm. So I'll go on this like huge Google deep dive and see like what have they done recently? Where they did they do a feature on somebody's song that just came out? Now I have to go listen to that and unpack those lyrics. Did they? do a video with somebody, I have to watch that. Did they get embroiled in, like, some strange controversy? Like, what's that? How do I... Is that something that I need to follow up on? Is that something that, like, could have affected this art? Like, um... So, yeah, if I only have an hour, I'll probably only get a couple days back in their recent history, but if I have several days, shoot, you can see me... (laughs) (laughs) Going so far down that rabbit hole, um, which is kind of weird too when you get into an interview with somebody and you're like, oh, I know so much more about you than you know about me. (laughs) That can be a little bit weird, but I think over time I've trained my brain to compartmentalize that and not necessarily bring it up all at once.
0: So do you remember, I guess, your first interview with um, an artist And to the point where you are now, like, what was that first interview like for you?
1: First interview um, on camera
0: or... -hmm. I guess, yeah, Yeah. your first, like, on camera, kind of as a correspondent.
1: As a correspondent. Um, hmm. I don't really remember the first interview that I did, like, officially as a correspondent. It's funny. I came to MTV as a writer. I came as an editorial assistant and I was actually hired by Mary HK Choi, who oh, I know that's been on the podcast before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah, from writing then I started doing like phone interviews and in-person interviews, a lot of like fashion week coverage, um talking to designers and like people in the front row there. And then You know, we are MTV, and MTV has a history in video, so that was always, like, a big thing for us. And a little further into my career as a style writer, I started to do, like, producer off-camera interviews with talent. So the first off-camera interview that I did for video was with ASAP Rocky, and it was, like, right after... Fashion Killa dropped. I remember we went, like, pretty deep unpacking the references there because, like, he maybe to this day is still the only rapper that's ever name-checked and DeMille and Demil- Rooster? I forget how to say it. but um, <laughs> She's, like, this, like, German um, or Norwegian designer that makes predominantly women's clothing. Um, and because it's a song about a woman who has really good fashion taste. He's name checking, like all of these names that you don't really hear in rap songs that often. Um, mm-hmm. usually it's like Gucci and Versace and things that they're wearing too. Um, and that one, that was fun. I mean, it was talking to Rocky who is like, his charm is kind of unmatched. Mm. Um, he just, like, is really – can be easy to talk to when he is in a mood where he wants to be talked to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody has, like, their off days or whatever, but when Rocky's on, it's, like, really fun. Um, and about fashion, which is clearly something that he really loves. Um, mm. So it's really easy. Um,
0: so are there people – I've read before, too, that you said that, he, you know, he's a great interview subject. Is there – somebody else that you've interviewed where you're like, wow, that went really well, or that really surprised me, like, what are some of your favorite um, interviews you've done?
1: Some of my favorite interviews that I've done? I think the Kendrick interview um, will probably be my favorite for a while, just because he's such a nice and warm person, and... You know, sometimes people will will get into an interview and it's, like, their fifth one of the day and they're kind of talking about the same things over and over. Mm -hmm. So they come in with, like, an energy where they kind of know what you're trying to do. Do you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. with every interview, you, like, have to warm them up to some degree. Um, You're not going to get into, like the really meaty stuff right off the bat of meeting somebody. Um, but that can get, I imagine, pretty frustrating for people to have to explain, oh, well, we gave it this title because this, that, and the other thing. Um, with Kendrick, it was really special because it was backstage at, on his tour. We were, like, the only people there that he was talking to. So we got, like, his undivided attention pretty much. And really got to talk about Dam and, and the artistry of that that album, which, I mean, it is one of the best albums that's come out in the last couple of years, mm-hmm. not just like the last year, but the last couple of years. and is really like a a testament to how much he's grown and, and, and how much he is thinking about his place in the musical landscape. Um, it's very considered and very nuanced and clearly a labor of, of love and intention. And to be able to talk to him about, like, you know, there were all these theories that were popping up on Reddit about, oh, can you play the album backwards? Is it, is it meant to be played backwards? Is there a second album that's coming out that's it backwards? Like, <laughs> all this stuff. Um, to be able to talk to him about it and, and hear him say, like, to my face, like, yeah, that is something that we thought about. It's was really wild.
0: Mm -hmm. And I imagine like as a music nerd and someone that really thinks about this stuff too, like it it has to be at times when you're, you're speaking to these artists and they're revealing just like their work and the process of it where you're just like, this is really cool. Like, I feel like I'm almost in a class and they're like lecturing me, you know, that has to be a pretty amazing moment.
1: In, and it's funny, like, I don't really have a poker face, too, so <laughs> when I am really excited about the conversation that we're having, you can almost see, like, the heart eyes, uh, like, the, like heart eye emoji on my face. Um Heim was definitely an interview like that, too, where I really, like, we were talking about, like, Bulgarian women's choirs, like, it got really nerdy, <laughs> but I think that that's You know if you're a a fan of these artists in particular that's the really valuable stuff that you want to watch you really want people to talk about their art in a way that you know clearly they're passionate about this stuff and it's cool to be able to see their passion for it right there instead of just kind of regurgitating talking points so That's what I'm always hoping for when I go into an interview. I really want to make sure that, like, beyond getting the nuts and bolts things, where like, I know that we need to get the setup of what this album is, what this title means, what your first single video is about, what you're going for there. But then I want to, like, really dig into what's this reference that you're making why did you structure this song this way it's so weird do you think that you're going to be able to perform this live like (laughs) like weird stuff like that because the fans already know they're watching like a million interviews with you on the breakfast club or like ebro in the morning or on like ryan seacrest or something and they want They're so hungry for more new information about where this artist was, what mindset they were in when they were making this thing, so that they feel even more connected to the artist and the music than they already did.
0: When you were growing up, just even as a music fan, what was your, or what were some of your go-to places when... You were trying to find stuff. I mean, obviously, we grew up in the heyday of, like, magazines and things. Like, I think of, like, you know, like, the J-14s where you're, like, this is what, like, Justin Timberlake, you know, (laughs) his, like, ritual before going on stage. There's so much more, like, content and platforms available for music fans now, which is really awesome. But were there some places that you, like, bookmarked when you were trying to learn about some of your favorite artists? Yeah.
1: I mean, I grew up in the heyday of, of magazines, so I was reading a lot of, like, Spin and Rolling Stone and AP. I was very like I was very into emo um, <laughs> at, at, at one point in my life. Double um, XL. I still have the complex um, where NCP like is there while Kanye's making uh, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Like it's still in my mom's house. Um. Definitely magazines, but also, like, I mean, I've worked at MTV for seven years because I had such a connection with MTV. I grew up watching TRL. I grew up watching Sway, Callaway, and Suchin Pak, and Kurt Loder. Um, I really got a lot of that music news from from MTV, too. So it's pretty surreal, even now, doing this as a job and it's funny like when i was younger and watched mtv i didn't really think about it as a job my my mom's side of the family is all in like health sciences mm-hmm. so i kind of just thought i was going to go be a doctor or something <laughs> like <laughs> uh some sort of like lab researcher or whatever um, and the idea of being able to to follow music and to talk about music as a career never really crossed my mind until I was like much older. So it's funny like growing up and and paying attention to all these things was in a way an education for the job that I ended up having, but I didn't I didn't clock it like that mm-hmm. when I was growing up. I also used to read a lot of like <laughs> like, unofficial biographies. Do oh, you yes. remember those things.
0: Those were like, so... I had the Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio one. <laughs> yeah, I had the
1: Hanson one. I had um, Christina Aguilera one. I don't know why. <laughs> but I was just always so interested in, like, you know, these people's journeys and, and what propels somebody to, to do something that is so... Yeah, it's, like, fun and creative, but it, it can also be incredibly vulnerable to, to make art and to make music in this way. Music is, like, you need you need the audience. You can make a painting and then, like, kind of walk away from it, and, and, and people can experience it without you having to be there. But music is this interesting, like, very transactional thing, and it's, it's most electric when, I think... I think it's most electric when you're, like, on a stage and 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 somebody is performing. They're able to, like, experience the reaction from the crowd immediately there in a way that, like, is only comparable to maybe, like, Broadway plays and musicals and stuff. You know, when you're, like, doing film or TV, it's very much the performance aspect of it happens at this time and then, the audience experience of it happens at another.
0: So when you, you speak on something like that, has there been a concert that has like really drawn that feeling out for you?
1: Mm, I mean, before all of this, like whatever Kanye is doing right now, um, <laughs> <laughs> Kanye definitely was an artist that, that did that for me. Um, I went on, the Yeezus tour and just the way that he uses—I mean, even the Pablo tour—the way that he uses like arena space and and energy and feeling—is something that I haven't really seen from from many other artists. Um, but also, like I went to some free Samsung event that he <laughs> performed at it was just like a sponsored thing for a new phone, but he treated it like it was his headlining show and he gave it his all. And it's really, it really speaks to the kind of artist he is and how he, he cares about his music. But, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on with this
0: album. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, yeah, this is, I think, there's been so many theories. Like, what's your theory? Do you think, like, there's a lot of people saying, oh, this is part of a performance. Or, do you think it's that? Or do you think he's just, like, you know, he's he's gone off uh, the deep end in a way?
1: <laughs> I, I have no idea. It is really hard to say without having listened to the album. Um, but, and I don't know what his, his personal conversations are like, and I don't know what he's really thinking. Um, but if you have a platform, I think there is some responsibility, um, to like, think about how your words are taken and, and mm-hmm. how your influence um, permeates the world around you mm-hmm. um, and I don't know I don't know that, that what's happening is is that great for the public discourse yeah. I don't know what it's really adding right now Yeah, but I, I'll I'll wait to see when the album finally comes. Um, but I, even even if it is performance, I don't think all of this is really worth that.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely definitely not. And I think, too, I mean, there's people that it's hard for them to separate the artist from the art. And I think he's one yeah. of the biggest ones of that. But, I mean, have you ever gotten the chance to, to chat with him? Or has he been a person you've interviewed before?
1: I have spoken to him uh, after the first Yeezy season, so it was like a very different uh, mind space, and actually that was like the one interview that I was the most nervous for. One, because I'm a a big fan of his, Mm -hmm. but two, because I've watched a Kanye interview before. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It could go, it could go anyway.
0: How did yours go?
1: <laughs> um, I think I was only supposed to ask two questions. I ended up getting in four.
0: Oh, nice.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the last question I asked him what his definition of beauty was. And he thought about it for a little bit and then uh, emphatically said, God. And then at that moment I heard, or not heard, I felt, the adidas rep like tapping on my arm like okay you're done
0: (laughs) (sighs) oh my gosh I mean that's I think if I had to imagine how a Kanye interview would go that's pretty much (laughs) that's like best case scenario that is best case scenario he answered you got two four two more questions um he actually answered instead of just staring at you for like three minutes straight yeah he really
1: thought about it and I think that he I think he was into the questions I was asking. Uh, I was asking him about, like, you know, at the time he was... It's it, He appeared to be into the, like, democratization of fashion, mm-hmm. and I wanted to press him on that because, you know, we didn't know what the price point was for Yeezy Season 1. I didn't know what his plans were for the future of Yeezy Season. Um, but... Yeah, so I think he was into. I don't know.
0: I think he was into this question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we see so many artists now that have ventured into fashion and even like high fashion um, in a way that I think we haven't seen before. Especially like tour merch. Like tour merch is like the new hot thing, especially with like streetwear becoming such a huge like aesthetic for a lot of people. Um, have you seen or is there any like tour merch that you've been like I really need to get my hands on this? Like this is really awesome.
1: I was obsessed with tour merch, um, I think from, like, 2012 to maybe a couple years ago, but I, it's, I've been trying to, like, really curb my consumption, so I'll buy, like, vintage Mm. stuff, I'll buy, like, old tour merch that I see on, like, Etsy, or, in a vintage store or whatever. And that's, like, not to get really uh, dorky, but I I saw this documentary about, like, it's called The True Cost, and it's about the fashion industry and kind of the cycle of consumption within it. Um, and it tracks, like, the life cycle of a piece of clothing from the cotton farms to... Um, textile manufacturing to assembly all the way through to like after you buy it and then you're not into wearing it anymore and you want to donate it like so much of the clothing that is donated doesn't actually end up going to people because there is so much clothing Mm -hmm. that is getting discarded um so I'm like oh no I need to like cut this cycle however i can so i try not to it's funny like coming into um mtv as a style writer and being a part of this kind of machine that encourages people to buy clothes all the time like talks about trends and talks about you know what the new thing is and and what's cool and what's new and the, here's how to get this look for less or whatever. Um, I got really dated by it and I was like, Oh man, we're like just contributing to all this waste mm-hmm. in the world. Um, so I like quit fast fashion and try to buy secondhand or like, um, from sustainable brands as much as possible and unfortunately today merch isn't often made with those kind of principles Mm -hmm. in mind it's a lot of like I mean I don't actually know the day-to-day like practices at Gildan but you know it's a Gildan t-shirt or something else and uh, they're cool ways to sort of memorialize a concert and like that's why I still really love merch and I love the idea of merch but there is this like throwaway aspect of it especially as merch and streetwear become sort of inextricable Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. like 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 merch isn't just about like having the concert dates on the back it's like you know, some discreet version of the album art on a hoodie that has extra long sleeves because is hot right now or whatever, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I definitely agree with you on that. Like I've definitely gone into, I don't like fast fashion and it's more of like I'm like really careful about like buying even like a piece or two. Like if you would ask me last year I'd have been, like, I'm buying this because it's this and this, you know, and it's nick. Like, now I'm like, I look at an outfit almost like one of my children, you know? It's like if I'm gonna buy the right. chair of pants, I'm thinking about cost per wear, all of that, but I'm also like the Marie Kondo effect where it's like, how does it make me yeah. feel? Does it give me joy every single time I wear it? Right.
1: Or is it just sitting in this pile in my bedroom that like Gives
0: me anxiety every time I look at it. <laughs> so, for I want to kind of um, jump back a little bit to just your work, um, you know, interviewing artists and things like that. You've covered a couple of red carpets for MTV as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I just have to imagine that that's a completely different experience. You really don't know what you're going to get there. Nothing is planned. It's live TV. Um, what's the red carpet experience like for you?
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, red carpets are like rodeos, kind of. <laughs> it's really, <laughs> there is nothing else like it. And it's so funny because uh, I think that's like, th- those things are some of like the the things that everybody else looks at and They're like, oh, my God, it must be so fun, like, to get hair and makeup and, like, wear designers or whatever, whatever. And, like, yes, yes, that is fun, for sure. But also, for example, a Grammy's red carpet. Like, I know that you referenced the live TV stuff, and that is a whole other beast that I'll get into after this. But, like, the Grammy's red carpet I covered for MTV News. um, That is an event that literally everyone in the music industry could end up being at. Um, (laughs) You have a spot on the carpet for, I want to say like five hours before the show actually starts because the Grammys is like people start, they start giving out awards well before they start televising anything. Mm -hmm. And people are rolling in, like, in the middle of the afternoon. So if you're press, you're there in the middle of the afternoon waiting for all these people to come through. And you never really know when anybody's going to come. You never really know who is going to be there. So to prepare for that is really pretty insane. Um, That's me. I mean, I I told you a little bit about... But my typical preparation process is like for a sit down interview, it's that, but times 50 plus people that I could end up talking to. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, like I have to prioritize, or else I'll go insane. <laughs> um, but Yeah, it's coming up with questions for... It's coming up with, like, at least enough questions for, like, a solid 10- to 15-minute interview with everyone that is nominated, everyone that is performing, everyone that's announced as presenting, people who have music that are coming up in the near future who might end up hitting the carpet, like, as part of a press uh, push. Mm -hmm. It's questions for... Producers you might think are going to be there and then some questions for, you know, if if it's somebody that you didn't prepare and you didn't research um, for talking to them, like back pocket questions in case somebody like that comes through. Um, all that in, you know, face feet to the gods and heels. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and probably like not eating all day because you are like you said out there all day
1: well it's not even that it's like there's no time to Mm -hmm. you're literally on the carpet from like 2 p.m to 8 p.m like you're you're eating you're eating like cereal bars and and gummy bears and stuff
0: (laughs) it just gives you a lot more like i don't know if sympathy is the word but you see when someone's like oh like this person from E! did this interview and like, they could you believe they didn't know this I'm thinking in my mind, they've probably, like you said, been doing interviews with so many people that it's all kind of blending together. So it's yeah. like, I am sympathetic now towards anyone that does red carpet because doing live TV is hard and the people it's that make really it look easy are good.
1: <laughs> wild out of body experience. I know people, it's funny. I used to be like that too when I would watch like live TV and live red carpet coverage, I'd be like, what is going on? Like, doesn't she have somebody in her ear telling her what to say? And even if she does, like, now that I'm on, I, I've am i done it, like, I've done two live red carpet shows, man, you have no idea what is going to happen. Like, producers don't really necessarily know who's coming at any point. Like, you, you can just, like, prepare as much as possible and then hope for the best so yeah so like that carpet that wasn't even live tv that was just like a news gathering um for clips to roll out the next day but i've also hosted um the mtv movie and tv awards red carpet pre-show and the vmas red carpet pre-show and yeah live tv is a whole other beast last year at the movie and tv awards it started hailing oh my God. in the middle of the broadcast. Um, so, you know, on top of producing a live red carpet show, we also had to, like, move the entire production indoors. Um, and, like, our communications went down, and we didn't know, like, they had to reroute where all the talent was coming into the show, you know, They were entering at the end of the carpet. The carpet is completely exposed to all that hail, so you have to move them to an alternate entrance location where they can get into the building really quickly. It's just super, super wild. So you're, like, there, you're vamping. Oh, who's performing? (laughs) (laughs) You, You have to go into those things, like, really knowing the show inside and out. And, I mean, it's not you're yeah, not performing open heart surgery. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just fun stuff. So it can be really nerve-wracking, but I think for me, the thing that kept me sane in moments that felt really crazy was to be like, this is just an award show. <laughs> <laughs> like, no one's going to live or die by whatever happens here, or whatever I say here. Um, so just have fun.
0: Mm-hmm. And you clearly do. I mean, it's you in all of your interviews too. It looks like you're having so much fun. Sometimes you get turned into a GIF when you interview Lil Uzi Vert, but hey, you know what? That happens. <laughs> 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 yeah, I
1: mean, uh, and then Rihanna uh, like tweeted a version of that GIF, but all you could see was my my wrist, and I was like, ah man, I wish. It was- She had gotten the uncropped version, Um, but (laughs) no, yeah, you—you never really know what what's going to happen, and it's so funny too because you know working here for such a long time, um, I can kind of forget, particularly on those big award show nights, like what a huge audience um, we're speaking to. So it's, like, the fallout of that when you're, like, gift a million times. I did an interview with Ariana Grande for another past movie awards, and that got turned into gifts. It's very wild.
0: So what's it, like, do you, I don't want to ask, like, do you deal with trolls if people are watching this stuff, but, like, I have to imagine you have, like, your fans that, like... You know, or like, oh, she did this, and she talked to so and so. Like, we stand for this person. Like, what's it like being at least a part of like the stand culture from like the younger <laughs> generation?
1: <laughs> uh, I don't really know that I have fans, but I do know that like um, after doing a bunch of Lana Del Rey interviews, um, I'm I'm in pretty good graces with the Lana Del Rey. Stand. <laughs> um mostly because I I think I'm probably the one person that's talked to her the most this year <laughs> but yeah it's 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 funny i mean i'm just appreciative that people are watching and, and connecting and that fans are watching interviews with their artists and and feel closer to them and feel like they learn something about this person who they're the experts on those people. you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they are way more steeped in whatever is going on with Lana Del Rey or Kendrick Lamar because they live and breathe. Like the stands really live and breathe these artists and their every move. And so to get like a seal of approval from a stand community is like actually – really amazing and I'm, I'm pretty particularly proud of that
0: mm-hmm. have there been other moments of your career that you're proud of i know you've done like before you're mentioning some of your uh, political work that i mean you've gotten to talk to chelsea clinton al gore and even recently you, the uh, march for our lives rally you were there covering mm-hmm. it for mtv um mm-hmm. there are those moments where it's like there, you know, more hard hitting moments that you know the younger generation is speaking up about. What are what's it like covering uh, news like that? And I guess just how, are you impressed by this younger generation that a lot of people will sometimes write off as not thinking about things like these?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, to talk about being impressed, like March for Our Lives. Even just getting to be there, whether I was covering it for MTV News or not, the energy that they that the the Marjory Stoneman Douglas um, High School students were able to infuse in that march—it's it, really difficult to describe, and it's very palpable. Um, what they did that day and what they continue to do in this fight for gun control and, and gun policy reform is, is remarkable. Like (laughs) it had been before the shooting at Parkland happened. I did a desk report about what had changed since five years after the shooting at Sandy Hook. And the short answer to that is like pretty much nothing. The way that those students have been able to keep that tragedy and keep constructive conversation about how we fix this, like truly like a disease Mm -hmm. in our country. That is, remarkable like adults were not able to do that and they were doing that not even minutes after it happened like emma gonzalez was talking to anderson cooper the same evening and already talking about policy reform that they're so this generation is so plugged in and so cognizant of the world around them and the things that need to be changed it's really cool to be able to 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 cover that and to elevate that and to give give weight and gravity to it because it is very easy to write them off as like oh these kids like whatever they don't what they don't know what they're talking about wait till you're older and like can really understand no they can't understand they have the same access to information that all the rest of us do they are learning at like hyper speed because they're able to seek this information out on their own Mm -hmm. and they have the benefit of youth they're not jaded by mm -hmm. these systems Mm -hmm. they they can see the weaknesses in them, and they're trying to change that. And I think it's it's remarkable.
0: It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned it there, just, like, not being jaded. And, like, even in one of your interviews in the past that I watch where uh, these kids, like, they have their priorities, but they're still, you know, they're getting to enjoy things that they do as teenagers. Like, the kid who was talking about climate change, he's like, I still have to go to prom. I'm going to miss this protest. Mm-hmm. I really love that. Um, and I Success just think...
1: cut, Martinez, yeah. Yeah. He's... A phenomenal environmental activist too yeah I mean you know it's funny as somebody who grew up like listening to music and still is a very big fan of music music is definitely like the thing that that keeps me coming here and like excited about what I do but yeah when I think back on it the most meaningful stuff or the stuff that like really like hits at such a deeper, part of of me is is all of the youth activism coverage that I've been able to do as part of MTV News. Um, It's just like a really kind of unique place in the news landscape to know that you're talking to an audience of young people. And I'm sure that like, um, you know, Philip Picardi at at Teen Vogue and Elaine Walterworth, when she was there like everything that everyone at, at teen vogue has has been striving to do feels like in a similar vein um but just like you know taking young people seriously and and being able to elevate remarkable smart engaged young people
0: mm-hmm. and i think mtv news too has always been ahead of the curve on that especially with their correspondents and vjs i mean you mentioned something before, we know Kurt Loder, Sujan Pak, mm-hmm. Ananda Lewis, like MTV2 was also putting people of color on TV in these oh, roles that are media roles um, and not like tokenizing them way before a lot of people were too, which is something I've always appreciated as somebody that, you know, watched it growing up being like, Oh, I, you know, I see myself in this person. Like that could be me one day. Um, what does that meant to you to, you know, be that face maybe for a young person right now that's thinking, wow, like I could be her one
1: day. Yeah, that that's pretty wild. I mean, it, I only recently started thinking about it in the sense that like, you know, I grew up thinking that I was going to be a doctor or whatever, but when the thought did enter my mind that like, Oh, maybe I could work at MTV. A huge part of what broke that mental barrier for me was having grown up and seen Suchin Park, Vanessa William, or, or Vanessa Manillo. Um, MTV was like the only place that I saw anyone that looked like me. Um, I my mom's from the Philippines. So, like, I mean, even now I'm trying to think of, like, where do I see Asian women on TV? And there's, like, really not that many places. So being able to see that growing up for sure had a huge influence on on me coming here. Now to think about, like, someone younger than me seeing me, and, and that in some way, opening a drawer for them, like, that's wild, I do get, like, I get emails or, like, Instagram DMs from time to time of young women who are interested in, like, media or entertainment journalism, and, and oftentimes they are young women of color, and are, like, you know, it's, it means so much for me to see you doing this, because it makes me feel like I can do that, and that's, like,
0: that's wild it's important too to like have those communities especially where it's like when you're going through things in this industry and you're like oh this is definitely because of this but who do I talk to about that I know for me like even in the past year or two having those people I can reach out to like in a community of color being like have you gone through this Be like yeah this is what happened to me and this is it's been like so helpful in helping like navigate some of the things like the growing pains and things you go through in a work, you know, environment as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely.
0: Yeah. I don't know if you have, you know, any of those people that you reach out to or kind of like your group and, you know, the media space that kind of gives you advice or helps you um, with that stuff as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, to, I, I, I'm pretty thankful that like, you know, because of the nature of what we cover on MTV News Um, the core MTV News team is pretty cognizant Um, so I don't know that I've necessarily run into too many things that cause me to like reach out Um, I'll often like I definitely have a group of like a core group of women that I went to college with who all work in like various different aspects of of media that I'll I'll go back to. Um, It's also helpful to have people who, like, kind of work in the area in which you do, but don't directly. Um, It's just kind of helpful to have, like, that, like, third-party perspective kind of take you out of of those things, because sometimes the the media industry can be a little bit insular. Mm Um. But yeah, I I, I I try to surround myself with with people that I trust and um, can bounce things off of and be like, yo, this person like this thing, this this thing didn't get greenlit like immediately. Am I being crazy or is it like <laughs> <laughs> um is it because it's like about this thing that Whoever has the authority to do that doesn't understand the experience of.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If that makes sense.
0: Have you have like you gotten advice ever from any artist before? Because <laughs> sometimes people, there are some you know artists or celebrities that are like, "Let me tell you how you do this." Like, have you ever gotten any meaningful advice from someone you've talked to?
1: Mm, that's very interesting. Um, not really. I don't. I think. It's mostly just like, I mean, I haven't been doing interviews like this for that long. So a lot of it is just like, oh, that was like a really good interviewer. Like that that really went deep on production in a way that I wasn't expecting it to. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily advice, but it's like a reaction to the conversation that I then take and I'm like, oh, look, this is something that artists appreciate and it's something that I'll continue to do more of. But in terms of like advice from an artist, I don't know that I have necessarily gotten that.
0: Is there still a person that you like would peg as your dream subject, person to talk to, person that you would want to interview?
1: Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, like a million people. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Are you kidding? Um, I mean, I think that I'm more interested in stories than I am in individuals, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, like,
0: uh, like a dream subject, I guess that you want you still want to cover.
1: Well, I'm always trying to. So, the, my last project with MTV is actually this um, short series called Seen and Heard. And it's a short docu series about women in behind the scenes roles in the music industry. Okay. Um, and it's actually, I had developed it before the Grammy president made that like women need to step up comment. Mm-hmm after the Grammys, but then after that happened, I think that really, like, lit a fire under everybody here, like, at MTV, um, under, under them to, to get it into production, and, and shoot it, and and get it together, and get it out into the world. Um, I had intended for it to be, like, an ongoing thing, um, but now that I'm leaving, it. it, <laughs> it, it has to be this like short suite of episodes but you know any way that you can kind of highlight these marginalized creators I think is something that excites me Um, and particularly for this series it was really important for me to highlight women in behind-the-scenes leadership roles. Mm -hmm. So really getting to show young women visuals of other women leading teams. Mm -hmm. Because it's just not something that I grew up seeing. It's not something that I see now um, done very much. And hopefully, if you see it, then you know that you can be it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's definitely like, I think that'll be really interesting because it's seeing like females in even executive roles or roles where they're in charge of, you know, a whole production or a team. Like mm-hmm. you said, it's not, I have to imagine in the music industry, even some of the big producers you think about, you don't think about women. So that'll be really awesome to see. I'm really glad you guys are doing that. I'm excited yeah. to watch that. yeah.
1: <laughs> It should be coming out um, next month. I'll hit you with a link when it's when it's live. But yeah, so the three people that we um, profile in the series are Hannah Lux Davis. She's a music video director. Nice. Alex Hope, she's a songwriter slash producer. And Doris Munoz, um, and she's an artist manager. And um, I think Hannah Lux Davis might be the most recognizable of them mm-hmm. but even for her job as a music video director we kind of like intentionally went for the like the unsexy parts of that job so we're mm-hmm. like in the edit with her <laughs> <laughs> we're like in her office like at a computer and she's showing us like her telling her editor like oh change this the color on this area is too green, like blah, 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 whatever. Because I think, you know, with a job like that, you often think about it as like, oh, you get to like be on a set and you're there with the artist or whatever. But no, it's like, you know, she's really she's really grinding at every step of this process and she's in charge in every step of that process. Um, and yeah, Alex is a dope songwriter producer and in that role you're leading that writing and recording session um Doris is a manager and she's like giving her artists business advice you know ultimately manager and artist is a a relationship you know it's a partnership but Mm -hmm. being able to like assert yourself um and and trust your own um, intuition that like this is not going to be a savvy business choice for you mm-hmm. you
0: know and that's such a hard thing to learn because it's like the only way you learn that is with time and experience mm-hmm. and so that'll be really often awesome to watch and as someone I've been watching like for the past week YouTube videos of like people that are like how to color correct videos and like the technical Mm -hmm. stuff. So when you said that you guys are going to be showing her like editing, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to nerd out to that. So that's going to be awesome. Yeah.
1: Basically my MO is just like making really nerdy stuff for girls.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what would be your advice for someone who, you know, wants to even follow in the footsteps you have is like, you know, a correspondent that's more, like, music or culture-focused. What, what's your advice for a young woman that would like to do that?
1: I think it's, like, trusting your intuition, trusting your taste, trusting what it is that, like, really makes you happy and makes you feel fulfilled. Um, I grew up thinking that I needed to follow a certain like career track and it took a long time for me to realize that like the things that I just like naturally liked to do and like to surround myself with were jobs like obviously that like like now in hindsight it feels so crazy to even say that because it's like yeah obviously how does anything get made like Somebody gets paid. <laughs> like there, there is an exchange of money that needs to happen for things to to exist and and get made, and for you to watch them on TV and listen to them in your headphones. But I don't know. It, it never seemed like a possibility for me. So, so knowing that those things are possible for you and. Knowing that there are people that, you know, you can reach out to, like, I think a lot of times if you're, if you see somebody and you admire their career or whatever, you kind of create this weird barrier between you and them of, like, unattainability, Mm -hmm. Um, but you can just, like, email somebody out of the blue and they will talk to you and, and tell you nine times out of 10, they'll talk to you and tell you about their career and how they got to, to where they are because everybody comes from somewhere mm-hmm. and everybody for the most part remembers like being the kind of like aimless feeling of, of being a young person and not knowing you know what you want to do with your life and mm-hmm. um, so it's cool to be able to have those conversations with with young people and, and help them along, even if they don't ultimately end up doing the same thing as you. You know, every I think I think people really thrive off of those those conversations, no matter how old or far along you get.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's you know, I'm hoping that this podcast conversation can do the same thing. Um, yeah, it's yeah. awesome that
1: you're doing this podcast. And particularly ha- for young women of color. Yes, like, It's so hard, especially, you know, you look around and you're like any any job title that you think of, if you start Googling and try to find like who are the prominent people who are doing this thing, so many of them are gonna be men and so many of them are gonna be white men. And to be able to create a space where it's like, Oh, what are all the like cool women of color doing oh tight i could actually do
0: that crazy (laughs) yes that's a word right there um one last question for you because i think this is something that's a good like way to wrap up the conversation summer's coming you love music give us a curated music playlist top five songs that you think everyone's got to listen to for the summer
1: Wow, okay, I cannot stop listening to No Tears Left to Cry. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's <laughs> like, so good.
0: <laughs>
1: I have a HomePod, the Siri HomePod, and like five out of seven days of the week, I start the day, like, hey Siri, play No Tears Left to Cry, by hard work, it, So, I, don't, I won't cop out and say, like, No Tears Left to Cry five times, um, but that's definitely number one. Um, what else am I listening to? Uh, I'm really looking forward to new music from the internet. Mm-hmm. So, Burbank, or Roll, Burbank Funk. Um, the new Shawn Mendes track that came out today is a bop. It's actually just, like, really sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> A bop is a wrong is, is the wrong descriptor. It's a sensitive bop. <laughs> but sensitive bop. Wow, I'm gonna take that with me. Um, <laughs> uh, sangria Wine is hard. Um, the Cardi B song that samples I like it like that. Yes. I can't wait for that video to drop.
0: Me either.
1: I see um by i don't even know how to say it but meli m-e-l-i-i um and i think that's gonna blow soon too because it was just on rihanna's instagram
0: oh yeah that's where watch out
1: get to googling that Um,
0: (laughs) i'm gonna have to google like most of these
1: (laughs) (laughs) i see yeah that's a, a huge one um Wow, I'm listening to music like all the time. Five is so hard to pick. I actually started a playlist um, on Spotify where I just like add a bunch of my most recently added songs um, because it's so hard for me to keep track of all of that. <laughs> is that five?
0: That I think no. you gave us six. You gave us six. six. You exceeded <laughs> the assignment. So perfect. That's I'm gonna like get all of those. Um, And, yeah, I'm going to be very excited. So thank you for all of those suggestions. Thank you for chatting with me. I appreciate it. This was really fun, very interesting, Um, inspiring, too. It's kind of getting, like, what is it, like the Oprah podcast, like the super soul at the end? (laughs) It
1: was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you
0: so much. That was MTV News' Gabby Wilson. If you enjoyed this chat, make sure to subscribe to the Who Would Have Thoughts podcast on iTunes and please leave a review or a rating. And you can also subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud and catch even more awesome conversations and content like this one on the website, who would have thoughts.com. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode. Have a good one, and I'll catch you right back here next time.